To bench busted FPL. My name is Jack, and as always, I'm joined by Nick. How are you doing this week, mate? You know what, Jack? I'm doing all right. It's nice to have midweek football um, because somehow it always happens to me where games happen, but none of my players play, so I just drop ranks before any of my players have even played in the game. Uh, and that's where I'm currently at with recording at the moment. I've I've got a big zero for this game. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's not necessarily a bad position to be in, of course. You know, it means that you do still have, I guess, starting 11 or, or 10 players, as it may be, still left to play in the game week. Of course, we are referring to game week 12, which we are actually in the middle of at the moment, as we speak, or maybe not quite in the middle of, but certainly, you know, I'd say, what, a quarter of the way, way through? Yeah, like it's happening. It's happening it's, around it's us. It's happening at the moment. We had a couple of games on Tuesday night. Uh, Brighton versus Forest and Crystal Palace versus Wolves. We will, of course, get on to talk about those and some of the other fixtures happening in game week 12 and beyond in just a moment. But before we do, Nick, I just want to cast your mind back. I mean, it feels like feels like it's been forever since we last recorded, although it was only last week, but in the sort of space of time, there has been effectively two games take place. So maybe that's why, for me, it feels like it's been a bit longer. But uh, yeah, we just want to cast your mind back to game week 11. Game week 11, which was uh, actually fairly low scoring all round, I think. I mean, the average points in the game week was 46. I ended up on 51 points, which, to be honest, you know what? I was more than happy with that. It gave me a small green arrow, and I think it just continues my... Uh, I think now five weeks in a row of getting green arrows, which, to be honest, I'm not going to complain about. The only, I guess, downside of it all was, of course, everyone was bigging up Erling Haaland against Liverpool and the way that he the way that he had been playing and, of course, the way that Liverpool's defence had been over the last uh, couple of game weeks. And lo and behold, Liverpool, the first side so far this season to actually keep Erling Haaland restricted to doing absolutely nothing and only coming away with two points. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel like a lot of people would have had him captained. Maybe some people might have stuck the armband on Salah, but I certainly didn't have him in my team. Uh, Perisic got me eight points, which was fantastic. Andreas Pereira picked up five points with an assist in Fulham's game against Bournemouth. Uh, Mitrovic, who I did actually leave on the bench because, you know, there were still some doubts about him playing. But uh, I mean, to be honest, I would have started Mitrovic ahead of Andreas. So that's only really a two point differential uh, Nick Pope and Kieran Trippier. Newcastle keeping a clean sheet against Man United, which was just bizarre. A turn up for the books, if you will. And uh, yeah, I mean, the highest scoring player on my team. A one Dominic Solanke picking up a goal and an assist against Fulham. Bagging me 12 points. I mean, there's not really much more I can say. I end on 51 points. So yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, an okay week in a game week that could have been so much worse. What about you? Yeah, I'm surprised that you're only so close to me. You're only eight points ahead of me, and I had a really pa- I had a pants game week. Uh, I had Andreas off the bench for five, but all of my other players really didn't do a whole lot. Uh, I got the Newcastle double clean sheet. That was nice. Kane got a goal, but I didn't captain him. Uh, Jesus blanked and Harlem blanked, so I didn't really get... <laughs> I had like, what is it, four returns in the whole team? No. I had, yeah, four returns in the whole team, um, so it wasn't great for me. It's off the back of two really quite good game weeks that I, I 
can't really complain. Although I think bringing Kukureya for James was maybe a bit of a mistake. Jack, I don't know. Maybe we made the right decision and it just didn't pan out. Yeah, I mean, I was, of course, pondering on my sort of transfers going into game week 11. I feel like I was certainly in a much better position than the likes of yourself who obviously had the likes of James and um, Trent as well in their team. Trent, who of course was scheduled to be out or rumoured to be out for for quite some time Um, and then lo and behold he comes on in like the 90th minute against Manchester City so perhaps back a lot earlier than a lot of people were were perhaps uh, expecting him to be back but I did make two changes. I did bring in a Berrieze and Cucurella for James and Colback. I mean, Eze was sort of really... I wanted to try and have some kind of Crystal Palace coverage because I think that their fixtures just look fantastic at the moment all the way up until the World Cup. But I also didn't quite want to stretch my budget so far to bring in the likes of Wilfred Zaha, although he is that sort of star player at the club. Um, I just didn't want to you know, invest too much money in my midfield when I am going to be looking to make some moves after, of course, this current blank game week with the likes of City and Arsenal not playing. So, yeah, you know what, I'll I'll take it. And I mean, I guess really the standout fixture from, from game week 11 and the one that everyone was talking about, the one that rounded off the weekend, Liverpool beating Manchester City 1-0. Um, I think we always sort of knew it was going to be a bit of a cagey affair, but what did you make of the game? Seemingly Salah looking like he's back to his best after scoring a hat-trick as well against Rangers. Yeah, I don't know if they're all back to their best, but they're certainly looking like uh could be turning around for them. I don't want to say it too soon, but they scored... Yeah, you're right, they blasted Rangers away and beat Man City reasonably convincingly. Like, like as in, it wasn't a fluky result. They sort of deserved it on the day, I think. I don't know. Uh, it, it definitely gave me ideas, and, and going straight into, like... Like coming off the back of that as the last game of the game week, I was straight away thinking maybe I want Salah in, maybe I want Robertson in, maybe I want Salah in for the game week that's ongoing now because obviously Haaland isn't playing. You need like a captain option, and you don't want to get left too far behind. So it really changed my plans and changed my ideas about how I was going to approach the game week we're currently in. Did it do the same to you? Yeah, I mean certainly, you know. I guess there has been that stigma of perma captain Haaland and and you know you'll be safe for pretty much the whole season. And yeah, obviously with the likes of Man City and Arsenal blanking this week as I mentioned, there was that sort of air of inevitability, shall we say, that you know you look at the fixtures going into game week 12 and realistically You've got that Liverpool game, West Ham's defensive woes at the moment and, you know, the the injuries that they're suffering with at the back, of course, as well. And Salah seemingly being moved forward and more central as well, given the fact that the likes of Jota and Luis Diaz are both injured now. So really, Liverpool only having three out-and-out attackers in their team who are fit and available in the likes of uh, Nunez. Firmino and Salah and, and I think that we sort of saw Salah being pushed more central and you know that's where we want to see him as FPL managers because so far this season he's been so far out wide on the right hand side and uh, it's just not been working for him so hopefully this evening in the game against West Ham he can you know pick us up some big points because I'm right in thinking that you've got him captain as well as I have and uh, yeah I think a lot of FPL managers would have done the sort of similar move and I think as well, given the fact that, you know, he's only 33% owned at the moment, 
I think any points that you get from him, if you have him captain, they are still going to be differential points. I mean, certainly at my rank, they're going to be differential points for me. So I'm I'm hoping more than anything that he can return big points for me. There are four other games happening this evening. And then, of course, we've got a couple happening tomorrow evening. We've got Bournemouth versus Southampton, which could be a very tasty affair. I mean, Southampton not doing great defensively and, and Bournemouth seem to be on the up and up. I mean, I'm not going to sing the praises of Bournemouth because I still think that they will be there or thereabouts towards the bottom end of the table when it comes to the end of the season. But ever since that 9-0 loss against Liverpool, they are unbeaten in the league. So seemingly on a good run of form at the moment. You've got Brentford versus Chelsea in an all-London clash. We've got Newcastle versus Everton as well. And then the game that is later than those aforementioned four games is Man United versus Spurs, which again, a game that I think certainly a lot of people will have half an eye on. Um, I think that Kane can certainly deliver the goods. Um, you know, he's been Mr. Consistent so far. I mean, he blanked in the first game week, but ever since then, he's just been, you know, returning points week in, week out, whether it be a goal or an assist or a couple of goals or, or whatever it is. He just seems to be popping up with points when FPR managers need him. And again, sort of making me look at my team and think, hmm, can I find a way to squeeze the likes of Haaland, Kane and Salarin and go with three premium players and maybe try to spend the budget wisely elsewhere in my side? Uh, Thursday night fixtures then, Fulham versus Aston Villa and then Leicester versus Leeds, all games, of course, live on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, Nick, yeah, I guess we've got a couple of fixtures that we can still talk about this evening. Which one in particular are you looking forward to? Is it just the Liverpool-West Ham game or or have you got your eyes on, on something else? As, far, as long as I live and as long as I have triple Newcastle in my team, I suddenly care a lot about their games, which uh, was crap this weekend because it means that I watched a bit of a nil-nil. Dull affair. But I'm just going to have to really keep watching Almiron suck until one day. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't suck. He obviously doesn't suck and he's returned quite well recently. But I don't know. I, I'm interested in the Liverpool game because I've captain Salah. I've brought him in for a hit. And it's nice to watch it when you're... When it, because you're almost gambling, right? So it'd be nice to see how that pays off. And I like to watch it in person. If he scores early, it'll be a very enjoyable watch, won't it? But uh, keeping one eye on the Newcastle game too because... I was actually trying to think the other day, like what would make Newcastle good? And uh, unfortunately, it is replacing players like Almiron. But for now, he's there. He's playing games. The whole front line is injured. Maybe he'll produce something. Although I'm really quite keen to get rid of him as soon as possible. Those are the two games that interest me. What are you picking, Jack? Because you only get to watch one, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously going to stay updated with the Liverpool versus West Ham game. Of course, I am. You know, I've got Salah captain and certainly... I think, you know, moving into game week 13, that we'll get on to later. But when you look at the fixtures as well, and of course, Man City coming back into the mix, actually playing a game in game week 13, and of course, having the sort of midweek rest that they will be afforded with the fact that Arsenal have to play their uh, rescheduled Europa League tie against PSV Eindhoven, I think, uh, this evening as well. So, you know, City are going to be fresh and raring to go against Brighton on, on the Saturday. But you also have to consider the fact that Liverpool are going to be playing against Nottingham Forest. Now, I know Forest managed to pick up a, you know, a very well-deserved draw in the end against Brighton. I think a lot of managers were looking at that fixture and transferring in Brighton players to try and target it. 
Well done if you picked a Brighton defender. I didn't. I sort of went with the crowd somewhat. And, you know, certainly the way that Trossard had been playing recently, he seemed like the obvious pick. And, uh, you know, he certainly possesses a lot of attacking threat going forward. But Roberto De Zerbi employed him as a left wing back to start off the game. Um, It was only later on in the game that he sort of moved him forward into a front two. I mean, a bit disappointed for him not to get any returns. He did, of course, hit the crossbar in the first half and he you know he created quite a few chances for for that Brighton side going forward but players in and around him at the top of the pitch just weren't able to to finish him off and and give him some uh, assist returns um the other game that has happened so far in game week 12 of course Crystal Palace coming back to beat Wolves 2-1 Adama Traore picking up a goal in what I think was his first goal for you know 50 something games or, or something crazy I think certainly a lot of FBR managers would have been looking at that game before the deadline and looking at it as a game where you can transfer in a Crystal Palace defender because, of course, we know that Wolves tend to struggle to score goals except if they're penalties where Ruben never seems to be fairly clinical in that respect. But, you know, Adama Traore wiping out that clean sheet. And then, yeah, I mean, Eze, the player I transferred in last week, picking up a goal. Uh, the equalising goal, and he looked fantastic just throughout the entirety of that game. You know, he was making fantastic runs in the box. His link-up play with Zaha, they just seemed to be like on the same wavelength 90% of the time as well. And then, of course, you know, Zaha popping up with with the goal in the second half to uh, win that one. Uh, Again, Mr. Inevitable for Crystal Palace uh, picking up a goal. But only getting one bonus point, and Eze coming away with 10 points, scoring a goal, getting all three bonus points. I can't can't really complain I'm currently on 19 points and you know what I'll take it I'll I'll take it the average is seven I think my safety score or the score that I need to beat currently to avoid a rank drop is 11 points now bearing in mind I did make two transfers going into game week 12 I did of course transfer out KDB for Mo Salah and then of course James Madison for Trossard now we haven't really talked about Madison but He was in everyone's plans going into the game week. And then, of course, he picked up a a foolish 94th minute yellow card for simulation in their previous game. So he, of course, will be missing out in game week 12, which, uh, yeah, I think made a lot of FPL managers either have to activate the free hit or take a points hit. And to be honest, I'd much rather take the points hit because I know later on down the line there will be a better opportunity to activate the free hit. Nick, how's Game Week 12 going for you? I think you said, what, you haven't had any players play, so I guess you're just sitting comfortable on zero points, not having to worry about it. I haven't had a single player play and <laughs> just sat here waiting. Well, I say that. It's nice that you got 10 from Eze. I do rate him, and it might have been different. I might have had him earlier this season if Crystal Palace didn't have that really ugly-looking run of fixtures where Eze still managed to pick up points. Who knows, man? He could be the Almiron replacement that I'm looking for. I also got surprise points from Neko Williams, who started. And I think that there were rumours before the game that he was going to start. And yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Forrest kept a clean sheet somehow against Brighton. I think, you know, Dean Henderson certainly had a big part to, to play in that result. I think he made something like seven or eight saves in that game and certainly kept his side in it at times. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just fantastic defensive display by by Forrest with their backs against the wall but 
you have to say really Forest again a team that are certainly struggling at the moment I think the board certainly backs Steve Cooper and you know there has been some uh, outgoings in terms of their transfer strategists and and perhaps the the fact that they've brought in 22 23 players going into their first season in the Premier League in, in quite some time perhaps you know panic buying and, and the team perhaps not quite gelling at the moment certainly not from an attacking point of view but yeah I mean I'm 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 happy it's a blank game week Neko Williams who would normally find himself on my bench just finds his way into my starting 11 and you know he's probably going to be one of my highest point scorers in my team to be honest because you know I've got a full suite of 11 players to play obviously eight players left to play so far in the game week Perisic against United I don't know we'll have to see if he even starts to be honest I think you probably fancy Perisic to start and there's rumours of him maybe even starting as a left winger we have seen him do it before in his career where he can start further up the pitch and you know, certainly with the injuries to the likes of Richarlison and, and Kulosevsky, who is still maybe a couple of weeks away, I wouldn't be surprised if Perisic starts on the left-hand side. Kukurela, I'm hoping he just plays this evening. I'm not really expecting anything from him, but I'm hoping that he doesn't get subbed off at 45 minutes again. Um, Kieran Trippier and Pope, just bring on the clean sheets, lads. Come on, and, and Trippier, I mean, I just want him to be the bonus point magnet that we know him to be. I've got the Fulham double up of Andreas Pereira and Mitrovic. Solanke against Southampton, which, fingers crossed, he can keep on his good run of scoring form. Despite the statistics telling us that he's just 100% overperforming and, you know, it is quite clear and obvious to see that he is overperforming where his expected stats are. But and then I've got Salah as well, captain against West Ham. So, yeah, I'm looking pretty good. Nick, I know you made a couple of transfers going into the game week. You also took a minus four, but you made three transfers. Do you want to talk us through your thoughts and, and the transfers that you made? Yeah, um, I obviously wanted Salah. And I wanted to get rid of James because he's out now until the World Cup. So I don't want to have him hanging around my team. I was trying to work out what to do. And I could have gone Robbo for James and Salah for Madison. Um, but it would have meant that I'd had to get one of the bums, you know, the Mitrovic's and the Solanke's of this world. And I didn't think that was a particularly good long-term plan, especially when I know for a fact that I will be trying to ship out Almiron and probably Kukurea quite soon. So I wanted to pick players who were a little bit less risky, or no, no, who who might stick around for longer. Um, so I picked Tony up front, which meant that I didn't go for Robertson, and I've struggled to find a defender I wanted, settling on Doherty in the end, because he's playing very, very well at the moment and is being praised a lot by Conte. Um, so I could fit Salah in for Madison. So I've basically brought in Tony, Salah, who I've captained, and Doherty for James, Madison, and Jesus. Eventually, Jesus might come back. It's an option, but I'm very happy to stick with Tony for, well, until the, the wild card at the World Cup, the World Cup wild card. And it means that I can potentially shift Almiron on instead, who he's not a very particularly impressive footballer. And there are a couple of options like Eze, who are a bit more electric and actually good at football in their teams. So... That'd be nice. And of course, moving Kukurea on to sort of anyone um, who emerges as a good option would be quite quite, quite a nice thing to do as well. So I've tried to keep it simple and pick players who might be in here for the next five weeks um, with only a small punt on Doherty, who will play this week when it matters. And if he doesn't play in the next coming weeks, I still have like Andreas on the bench, for example, who will come off for him. So I'm, I'm feeling hopeful, Jack. I mean, I've only got 10 players playing because Patterson got injured just after we wildcarded. 
And it would have been nice to have those six points from Neko Williams instead, I must admit. <laughs> but I'm hoping for the best here. I'm hoping for the best. Um, otherwise, very similar team to you. You know, I've got my trip here, my Pope. I was going to say Cancelo, but that's nonsense. Uh, Andreas Kane is, I guess, a differential here, and he could pop off against United. But I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of full of hope. I look at the team and I think maybe I can get back to where I was at the start of last week. Yeah, I mean, I think your team's in, in fairly good shape, to be honest. I mean, you know, you're always going to, with, I mean, with the players that everyone's got, you know, everyone was doubled up or tripled up on the likes of the City and, and uh, Arsenal assets. So it was always maybe going to be a bit more difficult to navigate the game week. But I think you've done it fairly well. And I mean, you know, not having any players play so far, is maybe a good thing because you know you, you don't really have to pay too much attention to it and and you know a lot of FPL players will be weaving from the results from last night and and just hoping for the best from today. Whereas you've got a clean slate and and you can just look forward to watching some football over the next couple of days. What we're going to do then now, Nick, is we're going to go and move in to punty picks. Of course, we didn't do punty picks for the midweek games, but we did do for the weekend games. Nick, do you want to remind me of uh, who you picked? For the weekend games? Oh, for the blinking weekend games, Jack. I, I stuck with Harrison and, I don't know, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it didn't pay off, Jack. It didn't pay off. I know who you picked. I'm not going to ask. I know who you picked. I, I went with Mason Mount. I, I did, I, you know, I did talk him up quite a bit. You talked him up. I was saying that I like his new role. I think under Potter, he just looks a completely changed player. And you can just see that from the stats as well and and the involvement and, you know, the runs that he's making forward. He seems like he's getting back to the Mason Mount of old and certainly the Mason Mount that we saw at times last season as well. So I think that, you know, he certainly is finding maybe a new lease of life under the likes of Graham Potter. And, you know, subsequently he has, of course, gone above the 10% ownership barrier now as well. Um, of course, he did pick up two goals against Aston Villa. The only two goals in that game against Aston Villa as Chelsea ran out two new winners against Steven Gerrard's side and Aston Villa's side, who at the moment are really, really struggling. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Gerrard saw the exit sooner rather than later from that Aston Villa side. Um, but yeah, you know, he scored a fantastic free kick. His first goal was, I mean, it was a mistake by Tyrone Mings, but. Mason Mount was there in the right place at the right time, so you you honestly can't take anything away from him from from being alert and and aware and and being the first person to capitalize on that mistake. So you know I'll take it. I'll take it all day. Was it now like five one six one to me? I think. I think it's six one, Jack. Okay. Okay. So Nick, who's your punty pick going in to game week thirteen? Then I threatened a punty punty pick this week. Uh, I'm so far behind that I'm starting to have a lot more fun with it. And um, against Nottingham Forest, I like Liverpool. I think, especially if they perform well tonight, um, I could see them doing well. And I'm picking Harvey Elliott. (laughs) I think he's, what, 5% owned? I looked it up earlier and then closed the tab. He's very lowly owned and he's he's about 5 million. And I think that with all the injured players that Liverpool have, he's almost a shoe-in to start. And I think that Liverpool could really blow Nottingham Forest away. So Harvey Elliott is my pick because there's a real chance that he just absolutely goes galactic. The sort of the sort of game where he could. Um, and he's been getting minutes recently. So I thought, 
if he starts, he might do he might do quite well. And um, it could be a really outrageous punty pick. Who are you picking to compete with that, Jack? So I'm looking at a team who are playing another fairly weak side. I'm going with a West Ham asset. I would, of course, be going with the likes of Bowen if I could, but he is above 8 million, although he is still less than 10% ownership. He does go above the price threshold that we set of less than 8 million. So do you know what? I'm actually going to go with Gianluca Scamacca. He's 2.1% owned. Yeah, you're going to get scammed by Scamacca. So what's going to happen? 6.8 million. He has been starting the last couple of games for West Ham. You know, he picked up a goal in the games against Wolves and Fulham. Didn't do anything in against Southampton. And I don't know if he's actually going to do anything against Liverpool this evening. But at home, against that Bournemouth side... I'd like to think, you know, if he starts, he can he can grab a goal or two. So I'm going to go with Skamaka. You're going with Harvey Elliott. And uh, yeah, good luck to you, mate. Good luck to you. Hopefully you can start clawing it back and actually making it a bit more of a competition. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah me too, man. Me too. I'd love to. I'm trying. We'll move on now to look at some of the fixtures, of course, happening in game week 13. Of course, the deadline being at being on Saturday at 11 o'clock. So we are back to our regular weekly uh, fixture as opposed to having a midweek game slammed in between all of our uh, everyday life. Um, But yeah, we'll move on. As I mentioned earlier, we've got Liverpool versus Forest as the early game on the Saturday. Be interesting to see how many people back the early kickoff and pick Salah as the captain because, I mean, you know, there's absolutely no reason to suggest why he can't do well in that game, although it is away from home. But if he does carry on his sort of little purple patch that he's in at the moment this evening, then there's absolutely no reason why he can't produce the goods, even though it will be in the early kickoff. We, of course, have Everton versus Palace, City versus Brighton again, which I think will be another strong contender for captaincy, whether you go with the likes of KDB or, or Foden or if you just follow the crowd and go with the likes of Haaland, I assume that Haaland will probably be the highest captained player this week yet again, um, purely based on what I said earlier. You know, they would have had a nice rest over the course of the week and I think Haaland would potentially be a bit annoyed with himself that he didn't score a goal against Liverpool and I think that he will come back with a point to prove and want to, you know, score five past Brighton. Even though Brighton have been good defensively, you know, it's hard to look past a City win with the way that they're playing at the moment. The evening kickoff on Saturday, big one, Chelsea versus Man United, which hopefully I'm going to be able to watch this weekend. We move on to Sunday, we've got Villa versus Brentford, Leeds versus Fulham. Southampton versus Arsenal, Wolves versus Leicester. They are the two o'clock kickoffs, and then of course the half four kickoff is Spurs versus Newcastle, and then Monday night football, West Ham versus Bournemouth, where John Lucas Scamacca is gonna bang a hat trick and get his first hat trick for West Ham. Nick, what game are you looking forward to most out of those? I'm looking forward to the United Chelsea game. I think Chelsea are going from strength to strength, and I think United are there for the taking. So. I know, like a pretty easy one, that. I, I, I just, I really, really like seeing United lose. I grew up, <laughs> we, you, the same time as you, we grew up with United, the dominant team in England, and it'd be just bloody brilliant. I just love seeing them get, get like, think that they're going to be good again, and then they're not. 
So more of that, please. That's what I'm in for. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I think that that should be a good game. Chelsea, as you say, in a fantastic run of form. I think United, you know, sort of quietly going about their, their business. I mean, okay, they didn't pick up the win against Newcastle, but Newcastle were a team that are certainly finding themselves very much in the ascendancy of late. So I feel like it was always going to be a bit of a difficult ask for United, um, even though it was at Old Trafford. So, you know, I feel like it was a fantastic display by Newcastle, but United not being able to break down that Newcastle side and the way that Chelsea are playing under Potter at the moment. And I think it would take something very special to, to stop them from from getting all three points. Certainly, I can't see Chelsea losing that game. It is certainly a Man United side who are there for the taking at the moment. Aside from that, I mean, I think the really, I mean, yeah, it is those two games that I mentioned, you know, with, with the likes of Liverpool and City. And I think it'll be interesting, as I said, to see who the majority of people decide to captain. For me, I think it will be Haaland. I'm certainly not going to be playing Trossard against City, which, again, could come back to bite me, given the way that he played away from home at Anfield against Liverpool early on in the season when he, of course, did come away with a hat-trick in that game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as someone who owns Alexa Mitrovic, I'm hoping that the Leeds defence doesn't keep him at bay um, and, and hopefully he can get a goal or two against the Leeds sides that we know are prone to, to leaking goals. Certainly over the last couple of seasons, eight, they have been prone to that. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle do against Spurs, uh, whether or not Harry Kane can continue on his good run of scoring goals or, or getting FBO returns or, or can Newcastle keep him quiet and perhaps uh, come away with something away from home at the London Stadium as well. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I myself am not planning on currently making any transfers going into the week. Maybe I might jump off of Trossard and potentially bring in the likes of Saka. Maybe bring in someone like Foden. I know that you don't like Foden. Yeah, no, I, well, I liked Foden. I was almost going to pick him over over Madison. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it might be Foden. I, I feel like having Trossard there now, it's just sort of... I wouldn't say it's a dead pick, but certainly... He's not going to be playing in my side against uh, against Man City, so maybe it is the time to sort of make that knee-jerk move to to one of those sort of 8 million players. I think I do have still around 3 million in the bank, 3.7 million in the bank, in fact. So I do have that flexibility there. But I've also still got half an eye on the likes of Gabriel Jesus as well. My only concern about Jesus is I think he falls into the category of players who are one yellow card away from missing a game. So I would be very wary to bring him in immediately and then have to transfer him out. Maybe, you know, wait for a bit and, and see how he's going to play. Maybe if he does pick up a yellow card in Arsenal's game against Southampton this weekend, then, you know, maybe you just sort of hold off on that for a bit and try to work your funds around so that you are able to bring him in, bring him back into your side just before the World Cup break. Or maybe you just forego bringing him in. I mean, there are you know, five game weeks left until we have that free wild card over the World Cup. So yeah, maybe you just hold off on that. Nick, are you planning on making any transfers this week? No, I'm not planning on making any transfers, but I am I am thinking. I'm thinking about ways that I could move, right? I could get rid of Kukurea. I could get rid of Almiron. Someone could get injured because obviously all, my, all of my players are still left to play. So I want to keep the transfer as long as possible to stay reactive. But... I'm thinking that if not, then I might be moving Kukurea or Almiron on in potentially a knee-jerky way. If someone scores a lot of points and catches my eye, then I could be 
a bit of a knee jerker. I don't, I, I don't really know. Um, I'm a bit nervous actually about making some silly decisions here because I'm at that point where I might make silly decisions. You know, it's always a lot of fun to play FPL like that. Trust me, you know, based on how I've been doing it so far this season, it's always a lot of fun, especially when some of the uh, punts in your side and some of the differential picks in your side actually come up with the returns, you know, the likes of Eze, case in point, really. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, go for it, mate. If, if a player catches your eye over the games this evening and, and you really feel like you want to have one or maybe even two of those players in your side going into the weekend, then, mate, why not go go ahead and do it? Maybe it's a bit more of a difficult decision for yourself to make, but, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of having fun with it so far this season. And, uh, you know, certainly over the last four or five game weeks, I've been reaping the rewards. So I feel like that's sort of the approach I'm going to be taking for the remainder of the season as well. Nick, the final closing part then. I've been talking a lot about the Liverpool game against Forest and the City game against Brighton. I assume that that's where your captain's armband is going to end up, on the likes of Haaland or, or Salah. I don't know, maybe you might surprise me and stick it on Harry Kane. But um, yeah, I assume that you're probably going to go with Haaland or Salah, right? Uh, yeah, it sort of depends on how the game goes tonight. But at the moment, it's firmly on Salah. Uh, how Haaland is not on Salah at all. It's on Haaland and um, it'll probably stay on him. Uh, I'm not going to be stupid or make <laughs> silly, silly moves. But if, if Salah does well tonight, you never know. It could be him. Um, not showing any faith in Kane. I think Spurs are quite good at scoring one or two goals and winning a game. But I am not playing Pope and I'm playing Ward instead, who has Wolves away rather than Pope, who has obviously Spurs at home. Uh, Spurs away even. So I am potentially thinking that Spurs will get one or two goals. I just wouldn't trust that Harry Kane's going to haul as much as or as likely as Haaland's going to haul at home to Brighton. Fair enough. I think that, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are probably going to be eager to have Haaland back in their side. I know that he even went through and suffered a price drop uh, this morning or, or overnight rather, which I mean, yeah, fair enough people transferring him out for one week uh, for the likes of Harry Kane. But I, I honestly don't understand that because you're going to want him back in, in your side almost immediately, if not immediately. You look at the run of fixtures that City have all the way up into the World Cup. Brighton at home, Leicester away, Fulham at home, Brentford at home. There's absolutely no reason why he isn't going to be a captainable option in literally all of those games and then some after the World Cup as well. And of course, Haaland, a player who's not even going to be participating in the World Cup. So he will be well rested and relaxed, ready and raring to go after the Christmas break when we come back in uh, in December on Boxing Day. Nick, I think that's where we're going to end the podcast for this week. Thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure as always.